Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is Jeff Does Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 135 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I just want to thank everyone who checked out the last episode of the show, featuring a deep dive into the 1980 fire at the then MGM Grand Hotel, which resulted in the death of 85 people with injuries to hundreds of others. We looked at what caused the fire, why it led to such widespread fatalities and injuries, and what's been done to make sure it never happens again. If you haven't listened as of yet, jump into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com or search out episode number 134, Inferno at the MGM Grand. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. On to the show. Back a few weeks ago, I decided it might be fun to step out of my comfort zone and host an official Jeff Does Vegas Ask Me Anything session. I put it out there for you, the good listeners of this podcast, to ask me questions about anything you wanted to know, whether it was about Las Vegas, podcasting, my radio career, my personal life, literally anything. And you guys did not disappoint. You asked some really great questions, and it was a blast to be able to answer them. I originally hosted the live stream of the Ask Me Anything back on October 21st, 2022, and as promised, I'm now releasing it as a podcast episode. I've cleaned it up and done a bit of editing, but for the most part, it's presented here exactly as it happened. So please, enjoy the first ever Jeff Does Vegas Ask Me Anything. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, a couple of questions that were sent in via the website. I did have a link up that was posted. I had a couple of websites um, that were, uh, or a couple of links, I should say, places where people could submit questions. So again, I really appreciate everybody uh, doing that. I know what the questions are because, of course, I they came into my email, but I don't know the order in which these questions are going to happen. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, I've basically, I've, I've printed them all out and I folded them up and I've put them in a hat. Yes, it's a, a, it's a Vegas Golden Knights hat. It's one of the first Vegas Golden Knights hats I ever bought. And so basically I'm going to pull questions out of the hat. And at the same time, um, I want you guys that are watching uh, right now on the live stream to throw your questions into the chat and uh, and I'll answer them as they come in. Um, Mike, first question. I'm going to throw Mike uh, a question here, actually, that just came in the chat. Mike asking, did you have to throw any questions out that were too ridiculous to address? Amazingly, no. 
I did not have to throw any questions out that were too ridiculous to address. That was that that's that was kind of nice actually. So I'm I'm a pre, I'm very appreciative of the fact that the questions that came in uh, via the uh, the email and advance questions were were pretty uh, were were all good questions. There were no ridiculous questions. So uh, there we go. All right, let's get this thing uh, started and underway. So. Gonna jiggle up the hat here, and I'm gonna reach in, and I'm gonna shuffle it around, and I'm going to pull out the very first question. And again, I have I have no idea what question I've got. Okay, so here we go. First question. Oh, this is an easy one. Uh, when is your next trip to Sin City? Easy question. Uh, my wife and I have got a um, birthday trip for me, uh, planned coming up in December as per usual. Uh, we always like to do, I've been doing this. It's kind of been a, um, an annual tradition minus the, the COVID year, um, for me to do a, a birthday trip to Las Vegas. And it all actually started with, uh, my 40th birthday, um, where I actually did a solo trip to Las Vegas for my 40th birthday. That was my first ever solo trip, uh, to Las Vegas. And I decided I wanted to do it for my 40th birthday. I, I I'm not, I'm not huge on birthdays. It's, it's just never been a big thing for me. Um, but the 40th seemed like kind of a, a milestone, something that I'd want to celebrate. And so I decided to, uh, go to Vegas on my own. <laughs> <laughs> and part of that too was in all honesty, some of that actually came from uh, me not being a fan of surprise birthday parties. And I was a little bit concerned that somebody might try to throw me a surprise birthday party for my 40th birthday. Um, my dad's wife had made a comment at one point about uh, uh, throwing some kind of surprise party for me. And, and I kind of laughed and said, well, the, the, the big surprise is going to be when I'm, I'm not there and I don't show up. Um, so <laughs> I decided, you know what, I'm going to bugger off and I'm going to, I'm going to head to Las Vegas. So I went down to Las Vegas for five days and, uh, I think I was down there for five days, maybe four days. Um, and I hung out with some friends and I went to a couple of shows and I ate, treated myself to a really nice birthday meal. It was actually a, really a really nice trip so uh ever since then i have tried to plan a birthday trip or a trip to las vegas kind of around my birthday in mid-december uh so the next trip my wife and i have got planned is for um december the 11th to 16th we're going to be in las vegas uh and it's going to be a, a a nice trip um we're doing some different stuff we've got a few things planned it's been long enough since the two of us were last there together that we are able to plan a few new things. Um, for example, we're, we're staying at the Paris Hotel this time, which we've never done before, which is going to be kind of nice. We've uh, always sort of been um, Flamingo or Bally's and kind of bounced around between those two spots. Last year for the birthday trip, we stayed at the Cosmo, which was just outstanding. The Cosmopolitan has completely ruined me for every other Las Vegas property, but I digress. Um, so yeah, this year we're staying at the Paris, which is going to be great. Uh, so it's a property that we've never stayed at before. It's somewhere new. Um, we are uh, going to be seeing a couple of new shows on this trip, which is going to be great. Uh, we plan on going and seeing Mad Apple at New York, New York, the new Cirque du Soleil show, uh, which uh, we have a couple of friends who are involved with that show. So uh, we're looking forward to going and seeing that. Um, 
Um, we're also uh, planning on taking in uh, Bad Out of Hell, the musical at the Paris, which is a new show that, that uh, has just opened up. So um, that is something new to us as well. So we're going to try to switch it up a little bit on this trip so we don't get into that rut. But that is when our next trip is coming to Las Vegas. It is uh, going to be, um, yeah, December 11th to 16th. So uh, first question out of the hat. There we go. All right. So uh, again, reaching into the hat, mixing it up. Let's grab this one here. So the hat goes down and uh, let's see. Uh, oh, this is a tough one. <sighs> okay, so the question is, you've just been told you're only able to ever make one last trip to Vegas, and it's only for 24 hours. Where do you stay and where do you eat? <sighs> that is a good question. Okay, so there's some variables here that I would have to throw in. So I'm going to answer it like this. If money were no object... So if it was one of those things where it's like, okay, you, where are you going to stay? You're only making one last trip. You can only be there for 24 hours. Where do you stay? Where do you eat? And money is no object. Um, I think I would want to stay at the win because I've never stayed there before. Um, I'd love to stay there. It looks beautiful. looks amazing, but uh, it's way outside this low rollers price range. Um, so I would love to stay at the Wynn. Uh, Food-wise, where would I eat if, I was, if it was the last time I was ever going to be in Vegas? Um, Food-wise, you know what? I think I would go to Golden Steer for dinner for sure. And I'd take a crack at that big tomahawk steak that they uh, they talked about when uh, when they joined me on the podcast here. Um, that's that would be a steak dinner for sure. I would maybe try and hit up one of the buffets, like I'd try and maybe do Wicked Spoon or something like that. Even though I'm not a big buffet guy, uh, Wicked Spoon is always somewhere that I've wanted to try. Um, hmm. Let's see. Now, the, okay, so that's the if money is no object on my current budget. Um, hotel wise, I would probably try to stay at, I think I'd maybe try and stay at the Bellagio again. It's another place I've never stayed and it's somewhere that I would like to stay because it's kind of, it's not like crazy win money, or at least it doesn't have to be. Um, so I think I would probably try and stay at the Bellagio, uh, eat, uh, you know what? I would still go to golden steer. I probably wouldn't take a crack at the Tomahawk, but I would, um, likely uh i i would um yeah i don't know that's a really tough question i'm just trying to think of where else i'd i'd eat because because it's when you're if you're only going to have one see here's the thing (laughs) i'm complicating this answer a lot more than it really needs to be complicated so it's the last trip i'm ever going to make to las vegas and i'm only going to be there for 24 hours here's the thing do you stay and eat places that you've never stayed and eaten before and risk being disappointed on your last ever trip to Las Vegas? Or do you stay somewhere that you're familiar with and eat places that you're familiar with so that you know you're going to be leaving Las Vegas with a happy memory? Hmm. Turned it around on you, didn't I? (laughs) 
so yeah i think again i think if i was if if i was only making one last trip money no object staying at the wind definitely eating at golden steer um probably trying to uh to just i don't know find some really cool places to go and some cool shows to see and and just something something different um yeah i think that's that's probably what i would do uh yeah so that was a very long-winded uh, answer to uh, to that question and i don't know if i really uh really answered that question uh kevin uh, we're gonna answer your question this is a question that <laughs> This is a question that I, I am asked often. Are you wearing pants? I say a 50-50 chance. Um, yes, I am wearing pants today. Uh, despite the fact that you cannot see me from like here down, uh, yes, I am wearing pants because I did have to leave the house a little bit earlier. And I'm not that guy who comes home and takes my pants off and then wanders around the house in my underwear. I'm nobody wants to see that. And uh, and trust me, um, that's just not <laughs> that's not that's not a thing that anybody wants to see. I don't even want to see that. I get dressed in the dark, Kevin. Uh, that's that's how things go there. So. All right. Uh, into the hat we go for another question. Let's shake that up. Shaking that bad boy up. Do, do, do. Reaching in. Pulling out another question. Let's see. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. I like this question. Do you get negative feedback in response to your podcast and do you address it or just ignore it? That is a really good question. Um, when I started doing this podcast, I knew that anytime you do something like this, where you're in the public, where you're um, sharing information with the public and sharing a part of yourself with the public, you open yourself up to criticism, right? And any any podcast or any vlogger, any blogger, um, anybody's gonna gonna tell you that. And uh, for me, in all honesty, negative feedback like that. Um, it really doesn't affect me in in a big way. I mean, okay, I'd be lying if I said it didn't affect me a little bit. It it definitely it kind of throws me off a little bit, and um, and I get the notifications like if I get a bad review on the podcast, and I think I've only had like a couple of bad reviews on the podcast. And, and I mean, the thing with reviews is they're, they're anonymous, and there's no real way to track down who's sending them or anything, right? But I spent almost 20 years working in, in radio. So you're constantly under scrutiny and you're constantly getting feedback, whether it's from your managers or from your bosses or just listeners, you'll be out live on location. People, people can get a little ballsy at times. And so, I mean, you're, you're out live on location and you're doing your show and you're just trying to do your thing. And inevitably you get that person that walks up and goes, you suck and your radio station sucks and I don't listen to you. And I would usually just look at them and go, well, thanks for your feedback, I guess. I don't know what you hope to accomplish by that. So, I mean, the negative feedback, I, I've gotten a few, not nasty emails per se, but I've had a few, um, I've had a few negative experiences. Like I say, I've had a couple of negative reviews. In fact, I just had one recently from someone that went like all the way back to the beginning of when I started doing this podcast, which was 2018. So like four years ago. And, and I'm not going to lie. The early episodes of this podcast, they sucked. 
there's there's just there's no ifs ands or buts about it for the most part those early episodes absolutely sucked so the gist of it was the title of the review i believe was something along the lines of so far not so good and and i he gave me like a two out of five stars and his complaint was i said the name of another podcast too often in that particular episode and i couldn't remember what episode it was and he just said it was like episode number five or something like that so i had to actually go back in the 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 archives and in the catalog to see what episode number five was and it was the episode that i did uh with chris kim from faces and aces and faces and aces las vegas was a great podcast and, and chris was um one of the the first podcasters to reach out to me when I first started doing uh, Jeff Does Vegas, I had put together a, a, an episode or a segment about security or safety or getting scammed on the strip. And he wanted to basically take the audio from that episode and use it in an episode that he was putting together. And so then we did a crossover episode. So you think you've done Vegas, I think is what we called it. And um, so basically, it was a crossover episode. So of course we were mentioning, I was mentioning the name of his podcast in my podcast. It was a crossover episode. The whole idea behind it was to promote his podcast on my podcast. And, and then, and, and if somebody had listened to the episode that we did for his podcast, he would have heard my podcast mentioned a million times. Anyway, so that was kind of the way I addressed that. And I think I did actually grab a screenshot of it and put it up on Twitter and on Facebook and just say, well, yes, it, it, you know, hopefully it does get better and please go past episode number five to like episode number 15 and, and you'll do, you'll, you'll actually probably enjoy it a little bit more, but <laughs> it, it was just so kind of bizarre and weird that, you know, this guy went, I mean, I appreciated the fact that the guy went back a hundred and some odd episodes to start listening to the very early episodes. But at the same time, it was like, dude, figure it out. This is the point. Um, otherwise negative feedback I've had, how do I handle it? It, depending on what it is, I mean, I've gotten emails from people that have said, you know, I don't agree with this thing that you said, or, um, I think you could have done such and such better. And if it's worded correctly or worded politely, um, then if it's worded politely, then I'm going to reply to you. I'm going to, to answer you. I'm going to engage you. If it's just a, you suck and I hate you comment well then no i'm gonna forget about it and it's gonna it's gonna roll off my back and you know i might if you're lucky i might make fun of you on social media that's that's basically exactly it mike says faces and aces was my favorite podcast yours is my current favorite but you'd be the runner-up if chris was still doing faces and aces you know what i can live with that I can live with that, Mike, because you know what? Um, Chris is a, just Chris is an awesome dude, and I really wish that he would get back to putting out podcasts. I know he's still, um, I know he's still quite active on Twitter. He still replies and he still posts stuff on Twitter that's Vegas related. Um, but I really wish he would get back to putting out uh, new material. A couple of years ago, when I went to a, a podcast conference in Los Angeles. 
Um, Chris lives in Los Angeles. So he actually came and picked me up from my hotel. We went out for dinner. Um, he was super nice guy. We talked about Vegas. We talked about podcasting, uh, super, super nice guy. And he's got a lot of great stuff in his archive. If you go back and, uh, and listen to some of his stuff, he has some, some very, very cool stuff, um, in, uh, in his archives. So yeah, if you get a chance to, to jump back and, and listen to, uh, to some of Chris's stuff, um, definitely, definitely do that. Uh, Kevin says that was supposed to be your throwaway question. Oh, the question about the pants. Uh, sorry, dude. <laughs> Listen, you asked me about my pants. I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer. That's, that's how that's going to go. So anyways, so back to the hat we go. We've answered three questions out of the hat so far. We're going to dive deep into the hat and we pull out another question. And oh, okay. A little question about uh, my home and native land here. What's the best place to visit in Canada? That is a, a tough question. Um, Canada is a big country and I don't know that people realize exactly how big of a country it is. Um, I'm going to throw it out here and just let you know, Canada is the second largest country in the world. Not population wise, but uh, land wise, we are the second largest country in the world behind Russia. That's how big we are. We are, we are huge. Now, that being said, like 90% of the population lives within like the bottom, I think within 300 kilometers of the U.S. border or something like that. Um, but yeah, we, we're a very big country. What's the best place to visit in Canada? I've been lucky enough to basically go literally from coast to coast. Uh, I lived in Vancouver and British Columbia for not very long, only like six months. It was way too expensive to live there. And I was working in radio and making very little money. Um, but, uh, Vancouver, uh, East coast, uh, West coast, I should say Vancouver, British Columbia, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, just recently made a trip to the East coast of Canada, spent a week visiting friends, who live in uh, in Nova Scotia in a small area called Hubbard's, just uh, just like forty five minutes outside of Halifax. Uh, my wife and I were there with them for a week. We we spent some time there. We did a drive across to Prince Edward Island and spent uh, a couple of days in PEI, um, driving through uh, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. It was just was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I've spent a lot of time in Ontario. I grew up in Manitoba. I lived in Saskatchewan. Currently living in Alberta. Um, Man, I don't know the best place to visit in Canada. I don't know if I can even actually answer that question because it feels like every province has its own positives and its own beauty. I mean, again, British Columbia, Vancouver, the West Coast, you've got mountains, you've got beautiful rainforests. I mean, amazing rainforests through through BC and the coastal interior. And then when you get uh, on the other side of the mountains or closer to Alberta, you get into the the valley and the lakes and and it's beautiful through there with the vineyards and and the wineries and and all of those places through there. Um, and the orchards in that area, it's just amazingly beautiful. Then you come through the Rocky Mountains and 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 you get into Southern Alberta and you get into Banff and Lake Louise and those areas beautiful, uh, into even Saskatchewan, believe it or not, Saskatchewan, easiest province to draw hardest to spell. Um, it's, it's very flat through Southern Saskatchewan, but then you get into like 
very southwestern Saskatchewan into the Badlands and, and into some of those areas. It's beautiful. You've got deserts. And, and, and if you go further north, you've got beautiful forests and Canadian shields. You get up around Prince Albert and you get up around uh, Waskasu National Park in those areas. Into Manitoba, you get you, you have some amazing beaches and lakes and, and spots through there. And then again, Ontario is, is beautiful and huge. There's lots of gorgeous spots to go in Quebec and then out to the East Coast. So I don't really know if there's a, a such a thing as a best place in Canada to visit. If you had to pick one place, I mean, I'm going to be totally biased here. If you had to pick one place to visit in Canada, uh, I would say come to the Rocky Mountains, come to Alberta. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. The mountains are just absolutely gorgeous. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. It, it, I don't even know how else to describe it. You've got snow capped mountains through the winter. You've got the summer, the beautiful blue lakes and, and rivers and, and streams. And it's just, it's, it's an amazing place to go. So I think in my mind, that is the best place to visit in Canada. And I consider myself extremely, extremely lucky. That is basically in my backyard. It's 45 minutes, maybe an hour out to the mountains. It's, it's going to be just, uh, it, it's, it's beautiful. If you ever get a chance, again, if you ever get a chance to get out there, that is where I would recommend. Uh, Vegas Mark says Canada is big, but has less people than California. You are absolutely correct, sir. I believe the last time I checked, population in Canada is around 30 million. I think 27, 30. I don't know. Math is not my forte, but um, yeah. <laughs> That's, that is, uh, that, that's, that's about right. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. Less people than California in Canada. And again, keep in mind, if you get a map, take a look at the, uh, the, the square mileage, square kilometerage of Canada. And yeah, we are the second largest country uh, in the world. Back to the hat we go. Okay. This is a good one. I like this. What's your most unpopular opinion about an attraction, hotel, and restaurant? That is a, a really good question. Um, I actually did a whole episode. Um, it's in the archives, and it's one of the good ones that the dude who didn't like my earlier one with Chris would probably actually like. Um, I did an episode, a whole episode called Unpopular Vegas Opinions, and it spawned from an opinion that I shared <laughs> Facebook that didn't go over very well. Um, people rave about Hash House of Go Go on all the various um, Vegas Facebook groups that I'm a part of. There's a lot of different Vegas Facebook groups that I'm a part of. If you're a part of any of them, you've probably seen me posting replies, sometimes nice replies, sometimes snarky replies. Um, but, anyways, somebody had posted about Hash House of Go Go and they had posted a picture of their meal. And it was the, I think it was the biscuits and gravy, which listen, as a Canadian, and I know somewhere in this hat, there's, there's a question about Canadian cuisine, but we'll get to that question. Cause I am going to answer every question in this hat. Um, but anyways, I don't understand biscuits and gravy. I think it looks disgusting and it looks terrible. And I'm probably going to get some hate from my American friends over this. But anyways, I digress. Somebody had posted a picture of the biscuits and gravy from Hash House of Go-Go. And the, <laughs> the caption was like, this was so great. One of the best meals I had in Vegas. This is such an awesome place. Blah, 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 blah. And my... <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't believe I actually posted this. I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked I didn't get banned from the group for this. But the reply that I posted was in quotes, and I said, excuse me, waiter, can I have another plate? It looks like somebody vomited on this one. And I just got so much hate on that post, just seething, writhing hate on that post about Hash House of Go-Go and how amazing the place is and how wonderful it is. So my unpopular Vegas opinion about restaurants was Hash House of Go-Go is trash. It's, it's just complete and utter garbage. Um, it's dare food. The, the, the restaurants, the, the food, I should say the meals, the, the portions are huge. Um, they're almost unfinishable. My wife, and, and you know what? I don't say this without having tried it. Okay. I, I have tried hash house a go, go. My wife and I went there once, um, for breakfast and, and we stood in, we sat there in line for like almost an hour waiting to get in and thinking, well, this better be the best damn meal we've ever had. Um, I ordered, I think it was their Benedict. I'm a Benedict fiend when it comes to, to going to, uh, uh, to restaurants. I am, I am an absolute fiend for, for eggs Benedicts. And, um, and, uh, so I ordered their Benedict and it was, it wasn't served on English muffins. It was served on hash browns, which was so weird. My wife just wanted something. She wanted fruit was all she really wanted. So she ordered whatever their like farmer's breakfast thing is that come came with a side of fruit, um, which was an orange slice. <laughs> it was, it was kind of amazing. It was just, here's this orange slice random. Like they pulled it off the bar, like, Oh, we need to put some fruit on here. So, so let's, let's put the orange slice on the side. So anyways, that was, uh, that was our experience with hash house go, go. So again, I don't, um, I, I, I don't like it. I, I, I think it's, I think it's trash. Show me Vegas. This is certainly an unpopular opinion. We ate at the one at the link once and loved it to each his own. Exactly. I mean, again, this is the beauty part about opinions is everybody's allowed to have one. Right. And, and we don't necessarily have to agree. Um, I feel the same way about egg slut. That's another restaurant that I, I think is highly overrated and, 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 but I'm apparently in the minority on this because anytime I walk by there at the Cosmo, there's a massive lineup of people. And I don't know if it's just people are going there because of the name egg slut. That's funny. <laughs> it's, it's simple. That's it's, it's kind of a funny little name. Um, but again, anytime I go there, there's a massive lineup. The one time I went, I thought, okay, I got to try this. It's, it looks great. Everything seems fantastic. Um, okay, let's try it. And I tried it and I thought it was terrible. I, I felt like I, I paid $18 for a breakfast sandwich and hash browns and it was meh at best that that was that was it that was kind of the way i i looked at it um so that's my unpopular restaurant opinion my unpopular hotel opinion the luxor is not that bad everybody shits on the luxor it, it's it, it, everybody shits on the luxor and i don't understand why i have stayed at luxor numerous times and i've had Excellent experiences with the exception of one time where they shut the water off on us 
which, which was quite the experience. Um, other than that one time, we've had excellent experiences at the Luxor. And it's funny because I've seen a few travel vloggers lately, Vegas vloggers. There's one in particular, and I don't know if I want to say her name. Mm, I'll say it. Vegas Starfish is on TikTok. And you know what? I, I really, I really like her videos for the most part. Um, she, I mean, she's, she must be doing something right. She's got almost a million followers on TikTok. Uh, um, and at one time I was trying to reach out to Jen to get her on the podcast and we had a little back and forth about it and then it just never happened. Um, but one of her recent TikTok videos really kind of bothered me because she jumped on. It was like, just, just as your quarterly reminder that the Luxor is the worst hotel in Las Vegas. And I, I'm like, I'm out, I'm done. You're wrong. That's all there is to it. You're 100% wrong. I know I just said, that's the beauty of opinions. Everyone can have one and nobody is wrong, but you know what? You're wrong. Luxor is not the worst hotel in Vegas. As they say, I've had great experiences at Luxor and I can't understand why people shat all over it on such a regular basis. The only negative experience I had, as I say, was the one time they turned the water off to uh, our particular wing. My wife and I came back from being out all day. We were on vacation down there with uh, friends of ours. And we came back after being out all day, got back to the room at like two o'clock in the morning and, uh, went up to the room and I used, used the toilet as one does. I flush, not paying any attention, flush away. It goes. And I go to wash my hands, turn the tap, nothing comes out. And you know, your brain does that thing where it's like, does not compute. Try again. <laughs> that was what I did. I, I, I did not compute. So I tried again. I, it, <laughs> I literally pulled an IT move on the taps in my sink in the bathroom. <laughs> I turned them off and I turned them back on again <laughs> and still nothing came out. So, but I mean, they made it right with this thing. I phoned the front desk and said, Hey, like what's going on? They had some poor security guy come up at two o'clock in the morning with some bottles of water for us that we got to use to, to wash our, our hands. Worst part was we wasted a flush. I, I wasted a toilet flush on a pee. So that was the worst part of, of that whole situation. But, but yeah, I, I, again, Luxor is not a crap hotel. I, I, I think it's a great hotel. I don't recommend it for first timers to Vegas. Um, I will, always recommend something middle of the strip as opposed to the Luxor just because of the location. But other than that, I think it's a great hotel. It's a, it's a fantastic hotel, fantastic experience, unpopular opinion about an attraction. Um, Hmm. That's a really good question. Cause I'm trying to think like all the attractions that I've gone to in Las Vegas, I don't think I've ever been to an attraction that I was, that was hyped up really, really well by everybody. And then I, I didn't like it. Um, I mean, I guess the only one that maybe I have when it comes to an attraction is that the whole, um, meow, what is it? The, the, the Mart Omega Mart. That's what it is. This thing is packed. It's busy all the time. Um, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, everybody raves about how amazing of an experience it is. Uh, for me personally, it's, I don't, I don't get it. 
I don't understand it. And it's expensive too, because I want to understand it. That's the thing. I, I would really like to go, but the amount of money that they charge to go to Omega Mart and that whole Meow Wolf uh, thing, just it really doesn't um, doesn't do anything for me. It just seems like it's really overpriced and really, really expensive. Um, yeah. Show me Vegas says they agree about the Luxor and we were in the quote shat on it category until just this year. Yeah. And, and I wondered sometimes too, if maybe that's kind of the thing is people are crapping on, um, on the Luxor without actually having stayed there maybe, or spent any real amount of time there. I mean, yeah, it's, it's an older, I mean, it's an older property. Um, and some of the rooms definitely could use some upgrades. I have had rooms in there that are, are a little bit old and a little bit tired, but otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. I, I, I really like the Luxor, I think. So anyways, there's my unpopular opinions about, uh, attractions, hotels, and restaurants. Um, back to the hat we go. We've still got lots of questions in here. <laughs> I think this was one of Mike's questions. Okay, here we go. And he's taking a shot at me for being a Canadian radio guy. Uh, you've worked the quote unquote stacks of wax for years. Who's your favorite artist and why is it? I mother earth. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, shockingly, my favorite artist is not I mother earth. Um, it's probably not even, uh, I mother earth probably isn't my favorite. Isn't even my favorite Canadian artist. So there you go. Um, I did work the stacks of wax for years, the stacks of wax, the wheels of steel, if you will, um, worked in radio for almost 20 years, worked across multiple formats of radio. Um, I worked in, uh, let's see, I started in Winnipeg made my way out to the uh uh out to the west coast for a very brief moment that was my uh, my time at uh, at Z95 which is i mean one of the biggest top 40 radio stations in Canada it was in 1998 when i worked there and still still is to this day one of the biggest uh uh top 40 radio stations in Canada I was only there for like 6 months cuz again was getting paid garbage um then moved back to Winnipeg Spend a little bit of time in Winnipeg, then moved to uh, Americans always laugh at the name of this city, Regina. Yes, it's pronounced like that. It is not pronounced Regina. It is pronounced Regina, and it it rhymes with what you think it rhymes with. Um, spent, uh, was there from 2000 to 2006, then up to Edmonton, there from 2006 to 2010, and then was here in, uh, in Calgary, uh, working in radio from 2010 to 2015. Um, my favorite artist, man, that's a, that's a tough question because here's the thing. I worked lots of different formats. As I say, I, I started, uh, I did a little bit of classic rock stuff, which was hilarious when you're 20 years old and working classic rock music that came out when you weren't even thought of yet, which is uh, an interesting experience. Um, I worked in classic rock. I worked in top 40. I worked in what they call classic hits, which is like, uh, that whole, the Jack FM format. People are kind of familiar with that. That was what I did here in, uh, um, in Calgary. I did, um, uh, a little bit of time, uh, in country. I, and, and yes, when I say I did a little bit of time in country, I do mean it to be like it was a prison. Cause I, did not do well at country. It was, it was bad. It was bad all around. Um, so I mean, all time favorite, 
I'll be totally honest. Meatloaf is an artist who I've absolutely loved for a very long time. And a lot of that dates back to um, when I was a kid, my, my dad, uh, my mom and my dad both had a, a amazing record collection. And if, if you're watching this on, on YouTube, you could see in the video, uh, in the background there, those, uh, those albums, those are my, my dad's albums. Um, I inherited those when he passed away, uh, a couple of years ago. And, uh, so he had a, a, a massive record collection and one of the albums that he had in there was uh, battle to hell meatloaf 1977. I spent a lot of time listening to that album as a kid and a lot of time just staring at the album cover because <clears throat> when you're, I mean, back in the day before the world of CDs and way before MP3s, that was half of the beauty of getting a, a new album was the artwork, right? And, and you would, you would stare at that artwork and you would just dissect that artwork and and bad out of hell was in my opinion one of the most gorgeous album covers in the history of ever just outstanding album cover and amazing album art and i just remember staring at that album forever as a kid and it stuck with me for a very very long time and then over the course of you know years i was able to to find other albums by meatloaf and and other music by jim steinman and um and really kind of get into to listening to that and then 92 93 i think it was when bad out of hell 2 came out and that song <laughs> i'd do anything for love but i won't do that i played that song on repeat forever I would have been like 17, 18 years old at the time. That whole album, Battle to Hell 2, still one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, so I I think that I, I, I can safely say that Meatloaf is probably my favorite artist of all time. And uh, and I think that, that that's, that's probably fair to say. Um, favorite Canadian artist of all time? That's a tough one. Again, as a Canadian... Um, particularly a Canadian working in radio, you get exposed to a lot of different Canadian music because by law, uh, Canadian radio stations have to play a certain percentage of Canadian music. It's, I think it's still 35%, although some stations play more than that. Some play 40. So, um, you get exposed to a lot of Canadian music. Um, but I don't know if you can beat Brian Adams summer of 69 for the ultimate Canadian song. It's either Brian Adams' Summer of 69 or Tom Cochran's Life is a Highway. Yes, Rascal Flatts did not do the original version of Life is a Highway. So stop thinking that. It was done by Tom Cochran. Music question addressed. Get to the point travel asking, hey, Jeff. I know I've bugged you about this before, but any plans for more episodes of Sin City Stories? Oh, man. I have so many plans. <laughs> um, I would love nothing more than to do more episodes of Sin City Stories. Um, for those that maybe aren't familiar, if you're a new listener to the podcast, um, during COVID, when I wasn't able to travel to Las Vegas because of uh, Canadian border restrictions and things like that, 
I decided I needed to figure out a way. I wanted to keep podcasting and I wanted to keep doing stuff about Las Vegas. Um, but I needed to figure out a way to do it without being able to go to Las Vegas. Not being able to travel to Vegas really hurt me a lot. It hurt me mentally in a huge way. And, um, so what I did was I came up with this idea. I, I knew I really love doing, uh, episodes about Las Vegas history because there's some really, really cool stuff that out there that people aren't totally familiar with and things that people maybe don't know about Las Vegas history. And so I really wanted to, to do that. And I knew that the episodes that I had done of the regular podcast about Vegas history were very well received. People loved them. They really enjoyed them. So I thought, okay, how can I do that? So I had this idea to do almost a documentary style podcast about Vegas history. And, um, so I started working on this stuff and the first one that I did, the first episode I did, uh, I think it was called big gambles and epic fails. And it was all about some of the construction projects that were, were attempted in Las Vegas that had failed for various reasons. For example, I, I went deep into fountain blue, which now is allegedly going to be opening, but at the time had been sitting unfinished for 10 years. Um, I talked about the, the condo project on top of the Venetian, um, that you can see the tarps that are painted to look like building. I talked about that, talked about the Harmon, which had to be taken down floor by floor and brick by brick because it was built so poorly. Um, things like that had a whole, a whole episode about that. The thing with the sin city stories episodes is they take a lot of time. And during COVID I wasn't traveling. I wasn't working. I wasn't really leaving the house. And this was during the initial stages of lockdown when everybody was freaking out about everything and not going anywhere. So I didn't really have, um, much else to do. <laughs> I wasn't working. So I had a lot of time at home to work on stuff. So I was able to spend all the time doing the research and the production and, um, putting together the episodes and they're so much fun to put together. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's in my opinion, it's some of the coolest work, um, that I've had an opportunity to do not just in podcasting, but like in any of my radio work, any of my radio production stuff, any of my radio past it's, I think it's some of the coolest work I've ever done. Some of the best work I've ever done. And I've absolutely loved putting them together. And unfortunately it's just time consuming. And right now between, um, work, my real, my real job and my real life, which I now have, um, I usually only have three or four days off at a time. I work 12 hour shifts. So I usually only have three or four days off at a time. So in those three to four days, I'm trying to cram in everything else that I have to do in life as well as, um, all the podcast stuff, all the regular podcast stuff. So I'm trying to schedule interviews and I'm trying to do editing and production and artwork and all the social media stuff. I'm a, I'm a one man show. I, I do it all myself. And so unfortunately, if, if you know what, if I had a team of people, I could probably put out more episodes of sin city stories, but unfortunately just because it's just me, I figure each one of those sin city stories episodes if I factor in the research, the writing, 
the voicing and the production and the website stuff, if I factor all of that in together, each one of those episodes is probably about 30 hours of work. So uh, unfortunately between everything else, I just, I don't have, I, I, I'd love to put out another episode. I, I recently did a regular podcast episode about dark tourism, which was a lot of fun to do. Um, talking about some of the, the tragic spots in Las Vegas that people go as tourist spots. And I, I thought as I was putting it together, I thought, damn, this would make an absolutely epic sin city stories episode, but I just don't have the time to, to put them together. So, um, in the meantime, what I've been doing, and, and you may have noticed this is I've been resharing some of the past sin city stories episodes, um, as new podcast episodes. And so that's kind of what I've been, uh, what I've been doing with that. And so I've been able to share them with, uh, reshare them on some anniversaries. So for example, um, I'm trying to think of the one I just recently shared. Oh, atomic Vegas. I just recently shared, uh, cause it was the anniversary of the uh, dropping of the first at- atomic bomb or the first uh, atomic testing in the Nevada desert. So I thought, okay, well, this is a great opportunity to reshare that. Oh, I recently reshared the October 1st, um, shooting, uh, Sin city stories episode reshared that one. So again, I think you're probably going to see some of that stuff getting shared and reshared. Um, and if I get an opportunity and I have a, a, a chance, I will 100% start putting out more, uh, Sin City Stories episodes, but at the moment, it's just, I, I unfortunately, I do not see it in the cards, which is too bad, because again, I love putting those episodes out. They're so much fun to do, um, but again, I just, unfortunately, they're just very, very time-consuming, so uh, unfortunately, that's that's where those are at. So long-winded answer to a question that was very simple, um, but I, I very, very appreciated uh, for that. All right, back to the hat we go. I said I was going to answer every question in the hat today, so I am going to do that. So here we go. This one. This is a good one, too. Uh, Have you ever visited any of the parks in the Las Vegas area, like Red Rock Canyon, Valley of Fire, or Zion? Uh, Yes. So uh, my wife and I have visited Red Rock Canyon. It was beautiful. It was great. And we were lucky enough to do it. Uh, in a convertible, which made it really, really cool to do. Um, my wife and I rented a convertible. We got a convertible Mustang. And so we, um, we drove that through Red Rock Canyon. And then we actually drove from Red Rock to Hoover Dam and spent the day at Hoover Dam and uh, did some driving out there and then back to uh, the city and drove along the strip, which I mean, you know, bucket list drive a convertible along Las Vegas Boulevard. Yeah. Pretty cool to do. Anyways. Um, I have not been to Valley of fire and I have not been to Zion, but both of those things are on my list. The problem is for the most part, I do such quick trips. Um, usually they're just two or three nights, maybe four nights if I'm really stretching it. And, um, I don't, tend to travel away from the city of Las Vegas, just because usually I've got so much stuff to do. I'm usually trying to do podcast interviews 
and um, see friends and visit with everybody and things like that. So that makes it a little bit difficult to get away. But if I have a longer stretch, I will absolutely rent a car and uh, and go and, and visit some of these spots. Um, Valley of Fire on the list. Zion is on the list. I, I would also like to get up to Mount Charleston and go up that way. Um, so yeah, it, unfortunately, Red Rock is the only one that I've really visited. I have not visited um, any of those other spots, but they are on the list of places to go. Back into the hat we go. Oh, good one. Question about my wife. What is your wife's favorite thing to do in Las Vegas? Good question. Um, she doesn't do a lot of trips with me. I do most of my trips on my own, which is cool and fun. And she's totally with me on that or totally, uh, on board with me doing that. She does like to do the odd trip down. Her favorite things are very similar to my favorite things. Um, she loves, she loves food just like me. She absolutely loves food. Um, she loves, uh, hitting up restaurants and, and, checking out some of the restaurant scene, which is great. Um, she loves to just wander around, wander the strip, do uh, people watching, which is fantastic. It's, I mean, I don't think there's anywhere else in the world better to people watch than Las Vegas. Um, she loves live music, which is really cool. Um, she loves the live music. And that's one of her favorite things to do is to just the two of us will just kind of do, you know, we'll do casino wandering. We'll do some casino hopping in the evening. Right. And we'll hit the lounges as we walk. And there's always, uh, tons of live music or there used to be, I should say, because it seems like the live music thing has really kind of, uh, gotten away in Las Vegas. And I don't know, I'm assuming it's a cost cutting thing, which is really a damn shame. I know so many of the properties that have um, closed some of their live music lounges and their live music venues. And I mean, it used to be so great to just be able to walk through the casino and pop into a lounge and there'd be a cover band and yeah, they're a cover band, but they're a really good cover band because they're a Las Vegas cover band and you could kind of go in and you could just wander through and you could have a couple of drinks and enjoy a couple of tunes and then wander on to the next one. And that's one of her favorite things to do. She just, she loves live music. And so, um, we're also very fortunate with the friends that, um, that we have in Las Vegas, the people that we kind of consider to be, uh, our Vegas family. Um, we're very fortunate in that almost all of them work in the entertainment industry and, almost all of them are musicians. So they've always got gigs going on. So anytime my wife is with me, we spend a lot of time uh, checking out live music. And again, whether that's a lounge in, uh, in one of the casinos or um, it's um, don't tell mama down on, uh, on Fremont street in uh, Neonopolis, uh, one of our good friends, uh, Kenny Davidson, um, who is a, a, a pianist. He's a, amazing piano player. Um, he hosts Wednesdays and Saturdays at don't tell mama in Neonopolis. So we'll go and see him at that event. He also does a show every Friday night at the Tuscany in the lounge there. So we will go to that event when, whenever my wife is with me. Um, and again, we just, we have so many friends who are, are performers. Um, we've been to lounge shows at the golden nugget and, and when the, uh, Le Cabaret was at the Paris still, we would go and hang out there because we had friends performing there. So I would say that's probably 
I, I would say live music is probably my wife's favorite thing to do in Las Vegas. She absolutely loves the live music. So um, that is that is her favorite thing. Into the hat we go again. What's your favorite time of the year to visit Las Vegas? Anytime. <laughs> Anytime is the short answer. Um, I don't know that I have a favorite time to visit Las Vegas, in all honesty, um, because again, any time is a great time to go to Las Vegas. I, let's see, all the times of the year have a merit, have, have some merit to them in my mind. Um, if you like hot weather, summertime. That's a great time to go. And I don't mind going in the summer, like July or August, when it is stinking hot, you step off the airplane and you walk out of the airport and it's like, it's, it's like when you're cooking your Christmas turkey and you open the oven door and you get that blast of hot air in your face. That's what it's like stepping out of the airport in Las Vegas in July or August. I actually really like that. I I really enjoy that. Um, Now, that being said, I also like going when it's a little bit cooler out and I don't feel like I'm going to burst into flames walking down the strip. Um, I enjoy going when it's a little bit cooler, you know, when the temperature is for us Canadians uh, in the high teens, low twenties. I think if you translate that to, um, uh, to Fahrenheit, that's maybe in the mid sixties, high sixties, low seventies. I actually really like that temperature. Um, I don't mind going the time of year when I go for my birthday every year, right before Christmas, that is a great time to go. Uh, the crowds seem to be a lot lower. At least they used to be a lot lower. Um, room rates were great. Um, the only thing you kind of had to watch out for was some restaurants and shows would actually shut down, um, over that time period. And I guess that's just to, uh, help with a getting some people some time off B doing upgrades or renovations on any of the, the showrooms or uh, restaurants and such. So that's kind of, um, where that is. I, I don't know. Again, my favorite time is anytime, anytime I can go is, is a great time of the year for me. Uh, and I've, I think I've traveled to Vegas in pretty much every season of the year. And I haven't really found a time that I don't like. Um, now last year when my wife and I went in December, we got caught in some rain and it was pretty cold. Like it wasn't super enjoyable, but the way I look at it is a bad day in Vegas is still better than a good day at home. Next question. Well, this is a question I actually kind of dreaded getting. What's been your biggest disappointment in Vegas? Hmm. Again, I was, I was actually kind of dreading getting this question because I don't know, I, I've had a couple of meals that were not great and that was a little disappointing to me. Um, I'm going to call it Robert Irvine's in the Tropicana. Uh, I think it's Robert Irvine's public house in Tropicana. I don't know if it's still there. I think it is. That was a huge disappointment. I, and here's the annoying part about it is both of the disappointing meals that I've had. One was at the, yeah, Robert Irvine's in, in Tropicana. And then the other one was actually on my last Vegas trip, uh, in July here, I went to the palms and I went to a barbecue joint. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but the worst part about those was they were my last 
the the last meals that I had in Vegas before going home. Um, I was heading home the next day. And so that was actually really disappointing to me. Um, the Robert Irvine's public house was just terrible. Like it was, it was just a bad meal all around. I'd have to go back in the trip report and listen to the episode, but I just, I know it stuck with me. And there was also uh, poutine on the menu, which was not right. Uh, it was like tater tots and I don't know, some kind of artisan gravy and mozzarella. Like it was just, as a Canadian, I felt assaulted by, by this, what he was calling Putin. But anyways, there's a Putin question in the hat that we're going to get to at some point. Um, but anyways, that, that was a huge disappointment for me in Las Vegas. Um, I'm trying to think what else that, that barbecue joint to the palms was terrible. Um, I mean, I've been for the most part, I've been pretty lucky. Like I've never had an issue with a hotel really. Um, other than those two restaurants just not being good, I've never had like bad, like particularly terrible service or anything. Yeah, those, that's kind of, I would say that, um, my wife and I experienced the disappointment of a canceled show, which was a little hard. It got canceled while we were in line to go in. Um, we were supposed to go see Kaw at the MGM grand and, um, we, uh, we bought the tickets and we went to the show and we were standing waiting to go in. And I mean, if you know, Vegas shows, they run like clockwork, right? Like they want you in at a specific time because they want you out at a specific time and they want you back on the floor gambling. And, um, we were standing there waiting and waiting and waiting. And I'm looking at my watch going, it's, it's late. Like this isn't normal. This isn't good. And, uh, my wife was like, no, no, it'll be fine. That's not a, not a problem. Um, and, uh, lo and behold, sure enough, they ended up canceling the show. So that was mildly disappointing. Um, but other than that, I don't know that I've experienced a, a, a disappointment in Vegas. Sorry to, to the person that asked that question. I apologize that I can't really answer it because I've never, never had a, a big disappointment back to the hat. Oh, good question. Any aspirations to ever move to Las Vegas? Yes, yes, and hell yes. Um, there was a time when uh, my wife and I debated on buying property in Las Vegas uh, and just renting it out to someone or either as a vacation property or to somebody to live in until we moved down there. That was a, a thought. Um, I would love to move to Las Vegas. I, I think it would be uh, a great city. Um, I think it'd be a great city to live in and, and not just, I mean, again, I think maybe some people have this idea of moving to Las Vegas, that it's going to be nonstop party 24 seven, and it's just going to be go, go, go. And you're going to have a wonderfully active social life all the time. I know lots of people that live in Las Vegas that if they didn't have to leave the house, uh, to go, you know, to the strip for work or something, they wouldn't, they, but, but it's such, it just seems like such a great city. And, and from the people that I've met, everyone's super friendly and it's just, it's a, it seems like a, a great place to go. I would, again, I would love to live in Las Vegas and you know what, maybe it's in our retirement plan down the road. Um, maybe, you know, we look at, uh, spending a few months a year down there to get away from the ridiculously cold weather up here. Um, 
that's that's something that we maybe look at as a possibility. But yes, we uh, definitely have aspirations, or I at least have aspirations about living in Las Vegas. I don't know if my wife does so much. <laughs> she used to, um, but I don't know if she still does. Um, we she's had opportunities to go work down there uh, in the U.S. both. Uh, in Vegas and in Phoenix, actually, where we have a few other friends that live. And um, she works in the healthcare field. She's a, a speech therapist. She's had opportunities and there have been job offers for her to go down there. But I think the, not to go off on a, a political rant or some sort of rant about this, but I think the um, U.S. healthcare system just wouldn't suit her. Um for anybody that's not familiar with Canadian healthcare, um, there's no insurance companies involved. We don't send out bills to people. We don't charge you for your healthcare. None of that is there. Yes, our taxes are much higher, but they go to pay for that healthcare. And yeah, the wait times can sometimes be a little crazy, but again, no system is perfect, but our system isn't going to bankrupt you. She's found in talking to people that she knows who work in her field in the U.S., there's a lot of dealing with insurance companies and there's a lot of having to make decisions about care that aren't really um, related to care per se, but are more related to the financial end of things and the insurance side of things. And not only that, but there's actually some of a, uh, somewhat of a pay cut for her to go work in the U.S. Uh, of a, a relatively significant pay cut to go and work in the U.S. And yes, I'm sure that kind of balances off by things like a lower tax rate. But at the same time, then all of the sudden you have to um, you have to pay for your health insurance. <laughs> and so, I mean, it really doesn't balance out all that much. So. Yeah, I think moving to uh, to Vegas maybe is in there, but at the same time, eh, maybe not so much. Show me Vegas says Canada to Phoenix would be a heck of a weather transition. Yeah, you know what? I've I've done the weather transition. Um, I've been down to Phoenix in like February or March when it's quite literally forty below here at home, and you're stepping off the plane in Phoenix, and it is. 30 well 30 celsius or like 85 fahrenheit you know it's it is quite a a a transition so so yeah it's uh it can it can certainly be a bit of a transition and something that can be a little bit hard to get used to uh going back to the uh the question about disappointment in las vegas this is a great point from kevin uh kevin says you should gamble more i promise you'll learn what disappointment means (laughs) that's fair i guess I can answer the disappointment question. You've kind of stirred a, a, a memory that um, I I maybe had tried to suppress. So a few years ago, when I was down in Vegas, I won a hand pay uh, on a dollar slot machine in the Flamingo, 1400 bucks, which I thought was awesome uh, until they showed up to take the taxes off of it. Taxes, taxes on winnings, United States of America. What are you doing? That was disappointing. Now I can get that money back, but it was still very disappointing for my $1,400 hand pay to turn into $900. (laughs) It it was very disappointing. And, and I, I mean, again, Canada for the win on this one, 
we don't tax lottery and gambling winnings, or if you win prizes on a game show or something, we don't tax that stuff here in Canada. So like if I go and I win $650 million on the lottery, they cut me one of those giant novelty checks for $650 million. They don't tax me on it. And they also don't hit me with a, like, a, oh, you can have, we can pay you a, a million dollars for the next 650 years, or we can give you a lump sum of $400 million. No, give me a lump sum of $650 million. That's how it works here in Canada. So uh, going back to disappointment. Yeah. Okay. I do kind of understand what disappointment means, but you're right. I probably should actually gamble more. <laughs> Get to the point. Travel says worked as a slot attendant here in Michigan. They definitely need to raise the threshold for taxing hand pays. Yes, they do. And now my understanding is that, um, there is a bill on the table somewhere. And I don't know if it was a state thing or I'm, I'm sure it was a federal thing, but there was a bill on the table somewhere where they were planning on, uh, they were planning on raising the threshold for taxing hand pays. And I think they were talking about 4,000 or $5,000, which I mean, again, I, if I'm remembering my, uh, what people have told me, the anecdotal history, what people have told me, um, I seem to recall that they set those slot hand pay, um, thresholds in, in like way back in the seventies or something, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm sure that, uh, that they do, they definitely definitely need to raise those. Okay, here we go. Into that we go for another question. Oh, this is a good one. I like telling this story. How did you and your wife meet? Oh, this is such a good story. Buckle up kids. <laughs> so I met my wife. It would have been summer of I want to say 1994. So she was still, I think she was just going into grade 12 in high school. And I had graduated in 1993, summer of 93. And I was dating this girl who, uh, broke my heart. <laughs> and, uh, so this girl who broke my heart had a birthday party, which she invited me to which I always thought was a little bit weird. Anyways, um, that's where I met my wife was at this birthday party. And so we started talking at the birthday party and we we're just hanging out. We were laughing and had a good time. And um, this was like, I mean, way back in the day before kids, you know, kids had cell phones and it was easy to get in touch with people and easy to find out who people were. So I, uh, I knew her last name and I knew the street she lived on cause she didn't live very far. She lived kind of around the corner from where my ex-girlfriend lived. And that was all I knew. So I looked her up in the phone book. Remember phone books, kids, <laughs> when there would be names, phone numbers and addresses, just personal information, just flying around all over the place. And so I called her out of the blue and uh, asked if she would like to uh, go see a movie. And so we went on our first date. I believe we went and saw, and I'm pretty sure this is correct, City Slickers 2 with uh, um, Billy Crystal. 
and we went on our first date. And uh, if I'm being totally honest, I, and I, I joke about this, I joke and I say that I started dating her to get back at my ex-girlfriend, um, but I kind of did. <laughs> And and she's aware of that, by the way, I tell this story all the time. So she is aware that I, I started dating her to get back to my, uh, back at my ex-girlfriend. And, uh, and I, I joke that, you know, to this day, uh, we've been married, we got married in 1999. So we've been married for 23 years. And, um, (laughs) I joke that, you know, we've been married for 23 years. We dated for we were together for, you know, five years kind of thing before we got married. So it's, it's almost 28 years that we've been together now. And, uh, I, I joke and say, I am still getting back at that ex-girlfriend. I am just playing the long game with the ex-girlfriend. That's, that's exactly what I do. I know somewhere right now that ex-girlfriend is like, man, I can't believe that I didn't stick it out with Jeff and, and this is that I'm sure that's absolutely 100% not what is happening. <laughs> so there you go. There's the story of how Jeff and Kim got together. It was, uh, it was revenge was what it was. Revenge at first sight. <laughs> All right. Back to the hat we go. Still got a few questions in here. Only, oh, only a couple. We're down to the last two questions. This is a great question. What's your go-to blog slash podcast slash YouTube channel for Vegas insight? That is a great question. Um, I've got so many that I watch. I've, I've got to give a big shout out to, uh, to show me Vegas who are on the, uh, the chat and on watching the stream today. I appreciate that you guys in a, in a huge way. Um, they do amazing work. They do absolutely in, incredible work. Um, Jordan and Ashton, you guys do great stuff. And, uh, and it's, it's fantastic. You guys have done some amazing videos and the walkthroughs and the, I, I wish I had that amount of dedication the, the anybody that's doing, um, video stuff. Um, I admire what you guys are doing in, in such a, a, a huge way. Um, because, um, it's so much work. I mean, I can't imagine the amount of footage you guys have to shoot and the amount of editing you have to do and the amount of post-production stuff that you have to do. I mean, I, I talk about the, the number of hours that it takes me to do, um, the, uh, the Sid city story stuff. I can't even imagine how many hours of editing and stuff you guys have to do. So, I mean, for you guys to be able to pop out those videos is just, uh, is fantastic. Um, so show me Vegas, obviously for YouTube, you guys are great. Um, travel Ruby. I've, I've started, I really enjoy some of her stuff. I enjoy some of her older stuff. Some of her newer stuff is, comes across a little clickbaity in my mind, if that makes sense. Um, so I do find some of her new stuff is I'm not quite as high on that as the old stuff. The old stuff is some of the old stuff is great. She's done some really good videos. Um, let's see who else has done great stuff that I really enjoy in the YouTube world. There's just, there's so many, that's the thing, right? Like, um, there's, there's just so many, um, Nikki and Claire Firmage, they do a, a, a Vegas vlog, um, the name of which is escaping me at this exact moment. I can't remember the name of theirs. Um, 
Dave and Michelle who do we work to visit Vegas I've had them on the podcast they were a lot of fun to t- uh, talk to I know they've had some stuff going on um, in their lives in the last uh, year or so that kind of kept them out of the uh, the YouTube world and out of the the travel world for a bit but they're getting back into it now and uh, and doing some stuff so it's uh, it's very cool to 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 see them and to have chatted with them um, podcast wise there's so many great Vegas podcasts I did a whole a podcast episode called sharing the love. And I talked about some of the different Vegas podcasts that are out there. And there's just, there's, there's so many, I just had Julian from uh, Vegas confessions podcast on the show, um, on just a, a recent episode here. And, uh, he was a lot of fun to talk to super passionate guy. And I mean, he's managed to turn, um, his, uh, his podcast into uh, a full-time gig. It, it, so, I mean, congratulations and, uh, and good for him. Um, let's see who else is out there. Uh, travels Zork is a podcast that I enjoy and that I've been on. Um, I, I, I really like, uh, what they're, what they're doing. Um, there's so many, I mean, again, it's just, I, I can't even name them. <laughs> and I mean, blog wise, I, I don't even know. There's like, there's just, there's so many blogs that are out there as well. I mean, it's, again, there's lots of people doing it. And the, the neat thing about it that I've found is that everybody has their own take on it, which I think is really cool. Everybody is doing their own thing. And, you know, I mean, I've said numerous times, like my podcast is, is I don't, I don't talk about gambling because I'm not a gambler, right? So it's not a gambling podcast. I'm going to focus more on things like um, I'm going to focus on, you know, telling people stories, for example, bringing on entertainers and telling their stories or doing episodes about um, things like superstitions or casino security or uh, responsible travel or, or things like that. And just kind of throwing that out. Um then I mean, there's people that are, that are doing the, um, the gambling stuff and, and doing those gambling podcasts. And then there's people that are just sort of talking about Vegas and just having conversations about Vegas in general. So, I mean, again, there's, there's, I don't even know how many are out there. It just seems like they're just, they're nonstop. Uh, Mike brings up a good point. Are there many active blogs these days? Everything is video and audio. It seems um, the only active blog I can really think of, and I'm, I, I'm a little, uh, hesitant to even, uh, speak the name of, um, vital Vegas because I'm not a fan. I I'm, if I'm being completely honest, I'm not a big fan of vital Vegas. Um, had some negative interactions with him, um, via email. And, uh, I mean, it, it kind of went back several years ago uh, when I was just kind of getting started. I reached out to him to see if I could get him to come on the podcast because he has, there's no denying that he's got a huge readership and a huge audience. And at the time, um, I, I wanted to try and get him on the show because it, I mean, for me, it was purely selfish, right? I thought if I could get him on and tag him and get him on, maybe it might bring some people to, uh, to my, my podcast. And he was just kind of like, you know what? No, I don't have time right now. Okay, cool. Like, that's fine. And then during COVID, when things were the beginning of COVID, 
when things were blowing up and there was all kinds of um, situations. And I mean, it was getting nasty, right? He was, he was spreading a lot of bullshit, quite frankly, and was saying a lot of stuff that he had absolutely no business saying anything about. And I disagreed with him on a Twitter thread. And I don't know if I called him an asshole. I might've, I'll own that if I did, but he blocked me on Twitter. Cool. You can play that game. That's fine. You blocked me. So I sent him an email and I just said, you know, it's too bad that that's the route you decided to take. Um, you know, it's too bad. We, we can't, you can't just be mature and, and agree to disagree about it. And, um, and, and just leave it at that. Instead, you've got to take this route and you're just going to block me. That's too bad. I, I enjoyed sharing your, your stories and, and, um, you know, with my audience and I thought you had some good insight on some stuff. So, uh, that's too bad. And then he just, he responded back with some snarky reply of some kind. And that was the end of it. And so he's really the only one I can think of. That's really still blogging everybody else. As, as Mike said, everybody else seems to have moved into the, um, the, the video side of things to the point where I almost think there's too many. If I'm being totally honest, I don't know how a person can break into the vlogosphere right now and be successful at it. You'd really have to be doing something unique or maybe, I don't know if you can pay to get views or, or boost your posts or boost your channel or something. I don't know how you would even be successful at that moment. And even to a certain degree, I was kind of starting to feel the same way about podcasting. I mean, again, I've been doing this. It's coming up on four years that I've been doing this now. And I consider myself pretty lucky. I got in when things were, were somewhat early in the podcasting world. I mean, there was a lot of Vegas podcasts, but not a ton that were active. And I feel like there's been more that have come on board since. And unless you have an established audience, I think people, people don't realize how much work goes into this. Um, and so there's a lot of pod fade, right? There's a lot of people that will launch a Vegas podcast or a podcast of any kind, and then will, um, realize how much work is involved and it kind of fades off after three or four episodes. But, um, yeah, that's, that's again, a very long winded answer to a simple question. Um, that's, that's kind of where things are at. Um, and if I figure out that Nikki and Claire Firmage, um, video vlog, I will, uh, I will share that. And even they kind of had to, uh, step away from doing it because of course they're from the UK and they weren't able to travel to the U S for almost two years. So they started stepping away from the Vegas stuff and sort of started stepping into, uh, other stuff, but they, they do some very quality work, some really high quality vlogs and videos. So, uh, there you go. Uh, all right. We have uh, one last question left in the hat. All right. Uh, the question I told you, we had a question about poutine coming up. Is poutine really that great or is it simply adored because Canada invented it? It is really that great. <laughs> I don't think I can go any further than that. It really is that great. There are so many Canadian snacks and foods that, that I love being able to share with my, my American friends and Poutine is definitely one of those ones that I, I would love to be able to share for those that aren't familiar with poutine. Cause I know there's a few, a few of you guys on here watching that are, are from the U S and maybe aren't familiar with poutine. Um, poutine is fries, gravy, and cheese curds. 
not fries, gravy, and mozzarella cheese. Okay, that is some straight up bullshit is what that is. Fries, gravy, mozzarella cheese is some straight up bullshit. Okay. That's not a thing. It's got to be fries, gravy, and cheese curds. Real cheese curds. Okay. That's how that has to be. Some of the other uh, great Canadian snacks that people need to uh, to try if they ever get an opportunity to. Uh, butter tarts. My wife has made butter tarts numerous times for uh, our U.S. friends. We have brought down uh, several dozen butter tarts for our Vegas friends. Last year at the Monday's Dark Anniversary show, uh, Shania Twain stole a dozen of my wife's butter tarts. I am not making that up. Ketchup chips. That's another one. All dress trips. That's another one. Uh, Nanaimo bars. That's another great Canadian snack. You have to try Nanaimo bars. You have to try butter tarts and you have to try all dress chips. It's that simple. Kevin's got a great question. I know it's a subjective question, but how much more costly is Vegas going to get before people stop going as often? I know I've had to start limiting our trips because of the costs. That is an excellent question. Um, I don't know. I feel like I almost question as to whether or not they're pushing their limits. If that makes sense. If the, the companies are, are pushing their limits to see how far they can push people before they stop going. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I, I Vegas has gotten very expensive and you know what? You're right. I, I noticed it, uh, my wife and I noticed it on our last trip when we were down in December of last year. We noticed the price of everything was was up a lot. I mean, the price of, of drinks and the price of food was up huge. Hotel prices were up. Even ride share was up crazy amounts. It, it was not nearly as cheap as what, what it used to be. Um, I think there are still deals to be had. I think there are still... Uh, opportunities for money saving, but they have gotten further and fewer, fewer and further between, if that makes sense. And, and I think you're right. I think people are going to start limiting their trips because of the costs. And I think with the uh, increase in events that are coming to town, um, I think that is, is seriously going to affect uh, people's ability to come to Vegas. Not everybody's coming to Vegas for UFC or NFL or NHL or Super Bowl or Formula One or any of those events. And I think that is definitely going to become a, a a barrier to some of, of what is people's travel in a, in a big way. And, and I think you're right, Kevin. I think people uh, are going to start limiting their trips um, because of the costs. I mean, there's, it's not everybody that can go uh, five or six times a year. That's, that's just not a thing anymore. Um, and there used to be people like not, I'm not even saying people like me that were able to travel for, for cheap and, and get down there for cheap and, and do stuff cheap on the cheap. There were other people that would go quite frequently. And, and yeah, I think, um, I think you're right. I think Vegas is, is going to start costing a lot more money and maybe it is just a case of, are the, are the hotel companies pushing their luck? They keep raising those resort fees and they keep adding the parking fees and they keep adding the extra little taxes and percentages and things that keep popping on. So, so maybe they are just pushing their luck with, with how, 
how far people will go. Mike, the Vegas of my youth, so to speak, is gone and won't return. The days of $5 blackjack, et cetera, are over. I think you're right. And I, and I think that that is, that's absolutely the case. Um, but I think it's still, Vegas is still, again, can still be a cheap vacation if you really go for it. And I think it's a cheaper vacation than uh, some other destinations. And I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, I noticed a lot more families on my last trip down, like a lot more families on my last trip down. And I think some of that uh, came comes from the fact that Vegas is cheaper than, for example, Disney. I mean, a Disney trip is now an insane amount of money. So, I mean, people can still go to Vegas and and spend way less on hotels, way less on meals, and way less on attractions than what they would spend going to Disney, whether Disneyland or Disney World. And they can still go to Vegas, uh, get to the point travel says, hopefully the pendulum swings back the other way where the value comes back without Vegas losing its edge. Like it did in the late seventies and early eighties. I don't know. I mean, word is we're heading for a recession, right? That's, that's what they keep telling us. That's what all the economists keep telling us. That's what I keep hearing. That's what I keep saying is Vegas going to flounder the way it did back in 2007, 2008, 2009. When it got hit with another big recession, I mean, is Fountain Blue going to sit vacant for another 10 years? <laughs> I mean, we don't know, right? It's, and if, if it does go in that direction, things are going to be very bad. I mean, Vegas just went through global pandemic, almost two years of, of people not being able to travel to Vegas, not being able to travel at all. Um, that was rough. I mean, so many people that lost their jobs, so many people have, have, have lost their livelihood. Um, can Vegas withstand another hit like a recession? It's, it's a very good question. Show me Vegas says room rates are out of control. If not for comps, we wouldn't be able to come so often. They have got to be nearly about to reach the breaking point. That's a fantastic point. I mean, I, I don't get, um, I don't get the comps quite the way, uh, show me Vegas does. I know you guys get a lot of, a lot of comps. And I think over the last while, you guys have gone a lot more often than I do. You also gamble a lot more than I do. Um, so I think you get your comps from there. I, I'm still, I think riding comps based on all the trips that I was doing pre COVID. Cause I still through Caesars, I still get some pretty decent comps midweek stuff. I mean, you know, Sunday to Wednesday comps at the Flamingo or, or, valleys if i'm really lucky um but i think you're right if if it wasn't for for me for example if it wasn't for comps and it wasn't for my ability to travel cheap i wouldn't nearly be able to go as often as i do and and you're right i think they've they've got to be getting to the 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 breaking point at some point in the near future kevin says i feel like they're going to hit the saturation point soon average folks are getting hit with inflation every day at home and won't be able to afford hitting uh getting hit on vacation as much absolutely accurate and correct kevin i think you're you're bang on correct on that um you're right people people are getting hit with inflation i'm not sure what the inflation rate is like in the u.s but here in canada it's it's high i mean we've got interest rates going up so mortgage prices are going up people's uh people's housing is going up people's groceries are going up a lot um and and so they've got to cut right they've got to figure out where to cut from their budget they're not cutting their grocery budget they can't cut their housing budget um they 
price of gas is is through the roof in in Canada and the U.S. The price of gas is up. So again, people for the most part they can't stop driving places. So that's not a thing. They got to cut somewhere. Vacation. That's going to be it. That's that's going to be the place that uh, that they're they're going to cut. Uh, get to the point. Travel says, especially with Caesars and MGM changing their reward programs, where the dollar doesn't go as far as it used to. Again, correct. Um, Caesars and MGM essentially devaluing their rewards programs. I mean, it used to be you could go and if you were a low level gambler in in Vegas, and I I used to tell all my friends this. I mean. People that would go to Vegas, I would say like, hey, if you're going to Vegas, um, sign up for a player's reward program. And even if you put a few hundred bucks in a slot machine over the course of a weekend, you're probably going to get yourself some decent hotel deals and maybe even get some comp rooms. That's not a case anymore. Like you, you really do kind of have to spend or they have to be kind of going on your, your theoretical of what they think you're going to spend or what they think you used to spend compared to what they hope you're going to spend. As I say, for me with Caesars, I suspect I'm still going off of previous comps and uh, previous spending and previous gambling habits. I mean, prior to COVID, I was doing six, seven, eight, nine trips a year to Las Vegas. And now, I mean, I've been back since December, 2021. I did December, 2021, March, July. I've done three trips in the last 12 months, which is, I mean, for having not been able to go prior to that, uh, pretty good. But again, not enough that I should be, be earning comps or anything like that. So again, you're, you're right. I think Caesars and MGM changing up their reward programs, your dollar doesn't go as far as where it used to. Um, and they've basically essentially devalued their rewards programs. So it's, it's unfortunate. Um, but I think that's just kind of the, the situation that we're in, in Las Vegas. When is it going to reach the breaking point? (sighs) I don't know. I mean, will it even reach a rate, a breaking point? And if it does, what are they going to do to bring people back? Are they going to do the same thing they did post COVID where they, they, they drop room rates and, and make things cheap. And then you run into the situation where you're bringing in a, a, a clientele that might not necessarily be the clientele that you want to bring in. It's, it's a tough call, but again, if they, if, if we get hit with a, a recession, like they keep saying, we're going to uh, thing I heard yesterday on the news here in Canada they were saying that we are likely going to get into a recession early 2023. And if we, uh, we'll probably carry it through to early 2024. So it's probably going to be a year of, of absolute garbage, uh, <laughs> recession wise. Mike says, Caesars is listening to this Q and a and is lowering your tier score as we speak. <laughs> I don't I don't think you can get any lower than where I'm at right now, Mike. So <laughs> if you want to check out the video version of the original Jeff Does Vegas Ask Me Anything live stream, you can find it on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Jeff Does Vegas or find the link in the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. And that 
wraps up another episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. Or drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been Jeff Does Vegas, a Walker New Media production. Thank you.